Welcome to Growing Up Boomer. I'm your host, Padre, with my co-host, Cotton. And this podcast is dedicated to the life and times of the baby boomer generation. The show is loosely scripted, and sometimes we'll go down rabbit holes, and where it leads us to, one will never know. This podcast can be informative, funny, and sometimes irreverent. But most of all, we hope you find it entertaining. Hey, Cotton, how's it going, my man? Fine, Padre, and yourself? You know what? I cannot complain. But uh, you know what I found out about old age? You know, because you know I just had my birthday. Yes, you did, old man. <laughs> I know it. Uh, uh, old, and it's it's old man. Yeah, it's one of those things. That, you know what? I've decided not to let old age get me down. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it's too but... yeah, it's too hard to get up. Well, when you're 105 years old, that's, you know, pretty damn good. <laughs> well, at that age, I should be the president then, huh? <laughs> oh, by the way, I got to tell you, we got our first download from Korea. South Korea, I should say. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty cool, huh? Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting fact about Korea is that the earliest Korean pottery dates back to 8000 BC. So they've been around for a while. Really? <laughs> yep. And get this, in Korea, when you go to the toilet, mm-hmm. this is across the country, they have pleasant flushing sounds. Oh, really? Yeah, like background music <laughs> and colored water. <laughs> <laughs> and out here, it's like, no, 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 don't drop on me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and here's another thing about Korea that's interesting is that Mm -hmm. in Korea, babies are considered one year old at the time of birth. Really? Yeah. So in other words, if you were born, let's just say December 21st, on January 2nd, you are now two years old. (laughs) Okay. So when your birthday rolls around, you'll be two years old. Well, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Their big sports are soccer and baseball. Oh. Of course, we would call it football, not not soccer. Football. Yeah. And this is the crazy thing. Seoul is the capital of Korea and its largest city in South Korea. The city has a population of 10 million people as of 2020. Jeez. The the entire population of South Korea is 51.8 million. That means over 19% live in that city. (laughs) The population live in Seoul. Oh, get this, too, about... about, uh, so it has the largest gdp normally than any other large city in the world gross domestic product so in other words they are doing fairly well for themselves yeah and they they get this so population in south korea is flat basically there is zero growth (laughs) that's right i think it's like less than one percent it's like a tenth of a percent is the growth of South Korea, wow. and they say by 2025, it's going to start declining the population. You think? Because <laughs> they're all coming here. <laughs> and the national animal is South in South Korea is a Siberian tiger. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, and before we get into our podcast, Cotton, we lost a few icons of the uh, 70s. Uh, that one would be Sandra, uh, Sandra Day O'Connor, the first woman on the Supreme Court. She passed oh, away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She mm-hmm. passed away, was uh, nominated by Ronald Reagan, was the first woman ever 
to be on the Supreme Court, sit on the Supreme Court. Uh-huh. Okay. And then the other one would be Henry Kissinger. Also, we lost at 100. Yeah, I, I thought he was older. <laughs> Come on. Oh, gee whiz. 100's not old enough, huh? <laughs> His full name. When he was young. <laughs> His full name was Hans Alfred Wolfgang Kissinger. He was born on May 27, 1923. Passed away wow. November 29, 2023. Or, yeah. Amazing. Uh, yeah. And uh, actually, he had uh, fled, him and his family, when he was about, I think, 15 years old, had fled uh, Germany in 1938 because of the um, uh, persecution of Jews in Germany. Mm. And so they, he took off, and he then enlisted in the army. He was a pretty smart guy, and so he worked for the intelligence department, and uh, so, he, of course, he volunteered, and he was in, uh, in the Battle of the Bulge as well. He participated in that. So, and then plus he also he uh, liberated some of the uh, concentration camps, and that was very very yeah. tough on him. He said, "I had never seen people degraded at the level that they were. They barely looked human. They were skeletons." After mm-hmm. the initial shock, however, Kissinger was uh, relatively silent about his wartime service. So but, you know yeah. that was that was pretty good. But speaking of uh, speaking of <laughs> World War Two, okay. And I don't know if I should do this with this one, but I mean, there was a movie. There's a movie about World War II that I just had to get because this is the advertisement for it. You will never have so much fun watching Nazis be destroyed. I had, oh, I said, I am, I am getting this movie. It's called uh, Sisu. It's a Finnish, oh. yeah, it's a Finnish word, which means like white knuckle. I mean, you've lost everything. There's, you know, you're fighting for your life. This is the last chance. You go thing, you go, you, you throw all abandonment out of the window. That's what it means. There's really oh. no, you know, definition, but that's what it means. And I'm telling you right now, Cotton, it's a cross between John Wick and Mission Impossible. <laughs> I bet. Oh, oh man. Here's here's one of the interviewers, okay? Okay, here's one of the reviews. I had I had fun watching this, therefore I recommend it. However, you should know that it is not remotely realistic and convincing. In fact, Superman is more vulnerable than our hero here. <laughs> this doesn't look like a comedy, but it feels like a comedy. At its core, this movie is pure comedy. <laughs> oh, it is so over the top, Cotton, I'm telling you. So you saw it? Or? Oh, yeah, I bought it. Oh, <laughs> come on. It was on sale for like seven bucks, and I said, ah, I'm going to buy it. It's mine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. Oh, oh, God, I loved it. Matter of fact, <laughs> me and my daughter are watching it, and we're laughing through the whole thing. It's so bad. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious, some of the stuff. You know, it's like one of those cringe movies. <laughs> and it's happening to Nazis. Couldn't happen to a bu- nicer bunch of guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> oh, man. All righty. All right, McCotton. Let's get back to Henry Kissinger here. Okay. Yes. All right. <laughs> Let me tell you, some of the stuff that he did was affecting us today. For instance, he was in the detente opening up People's Republic of China. He met with Mao, and remember, he 
he negotiated to open up the um, trade routes with China. You know, that, of course, you know, you can't blame him. He was doing Nixon's work. He was also with the Vietnam War, the Bangladesh Liberation Army in 1971, the Arab-Israeli conflict in 1973, the Yom Kippur War, the Persian Gulf. He was, a, he was the one that recommended that we should sell arms to the Shah, no questions asked. The Turkish wow. invasion of uh, Cyprus. <laughs> the intervention of Chile. Remember, they, were, they had the big coup d'etat in 1973. That was backed by the Americans. Us, Argentina, the dirty war. <laughs> and he said that Brazil should have the ability to manufacture oh, nuclear wow. arms. <laughs> it's like, ooh. <laughs> so, yeah. He's a powerful man. Oh, he was. There's no doubt yeah. he was. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, uh, and now, Cotton, I'm telling you, yeah. I read this book called Walking Old Roads, okay, by, by uh, Tammy Hayden. This was interesting, okay, because remember the first book we did? It was Raised on Freedom, and I said it was just a crack up. Yeah. We had a good time with it. Uh, you know, it was one of those that you just continue to read and read. and But that one was kind of like Christmas story, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. This one is more like The Graduate. And when I say that, people always remember The Graduate with Dustin Hoffman with the affair with Anne Bancroft. But really, the, what the movie is about is the first coming of age for baby boomers. You know, we're like a new species, right? We're dislocated, alienated. We just don't seem to fit in. And yeah. that's what this book does. I mean, it works right through. I mean, it is awesome. You you have really have to read it. Wow. Oh, you know what? Just like the last one, they should make a movie out of this. The book starts off, allow me to introduce my, my midlife crisis. Okay? <laughs> and it's about the author, and it's very, very good. And it's about the author looks at how she's lost her benevolence throughout the years. And I think she's mistaken because throughout the book, she is visiting her mother at the, at the retirement home and she's doing things for her. I mean, that's part of benevolence. I think what she means is ba basically the benevolence or the look at humanity, how you view it. I mean, some of the stuff in here that she says is awesome. I mean, it's right on. I went through this book and it took me just as long to read as the other book, and it's half the size. <laughs> oh, yeah, because at the end of every chapter, you sit down and you think, and you say, yeah, that is a great point. I mean, it is it is really awesome. You know, I mean, I'm going to read you one real quick, okay? Perfect. All righty. Mm -hmm. Like one of them, and it's in the um, chapter called um, Listening to, to, to the Honesty Within. And, mm -hmm. and what she does, she sets everything up, and she uses childhood examples, and at the end of each chapter, she kind of brings it about today. In other words, if we were like this, we wouldn't have these issues today. If we can have civility and if we can have humanity back, wow. you know, I mean, it is a really great book. You know, I'm a man of faith, and I read the Bible. Yeah. Well, you know, most people of faith, like, highlight the Bible. So my mine's is almost like highlighted all the way through. <laughs> I had just as many highlights in this book. The points are so great on it. Let me read you one here. It says, 
in only today's world exhibiting more maturity and respect like it did in days gone. Civility and rational conversation are in short supply in the era of quick tempers and information so thick it often obscures realistic solutions from view. Today, people often mistake reaching out for guidance as rocking the boat. Forgiveness feels foreign, leaving relations awkward and abandoned. People connected in a different way when I was a kid. Do not get me wrong. I am a huge fan of advancement in a society, but compassion and civility are traits too important for society to lose. Society is not better if humanity chooses to be worse. Wow. I mean, just, oh, I mean, wow. there is just so much nuggets of wisdom in this book. All right. Wow. There was another one called uh, The Reality of Good Fortune. And this was one where her mom enters her name. She's just a little girl. And her mom enters her name in a contest on a TV show to win dishes. <laughs> uh, Mickey Mouse dishes. Minnie Mouse dishes. And yeah. she wins. And, you know, and, and as a little girl, she's going like, ah, what's a big deal, right? But it's a big deal for the mother. And this is how it ends, right? She goes through all the, the emotions that her mom has, that she has. And this is how it ends. I wish I had saved at least one place setting of those dishes. Not to remind me of winning the contest, but because it meant so much to my mom. My wow. own adult experience have since shed light on mom's excitement. I get it now. Mom needed a break from a reality too, a reality of changing world filled with deadly race riots, violent political protest of the Vietnam War, and difficult financial times for her struggling young family. A good fortune to shift the mindset away from the worry and shine a beam of sunshine in the direction of promise. A token of fun to share with loved ones was a welcome distraction for her. I know we could all use a distraction or two from the tiny little viruses running rampant around the world today. Yeah, that uh, bad of reality. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the yeah. problem is, and, and, and she addresses it, is sometimes reality is manufactured. The 24-hour news, mm -hmm. this, is kind of poisons us because of all the negativity, and we just we look at humanity in a different way. Mm -hmm. Here's another one. You know, she was a, uh, a very bright student. Very, very bright. I can relate to a lot of the things that she says because this was more of a, like my, um, my childhood. Mm -hmm. I was very, almost like a loner, you know, had a few friends. And, but she was a teacher's pet, as I was. Mm -hmm. I can see that. All right, now, but she was a teacher's pet because of her intellect. I was a teacher's pet out of pity because <laughs> I didn't have intellect, Okay. <laughs> Yeah. I was a skinny little kid getting beat up all the time, so the teachers always took care of me. Okay? Uh, yeah. So, what she writes about, and, and she calls the schoolyard or the social media of her day was a schoolyard. Oh, yeah. yeah, it never got past that. Yeah. You're talking smack, it was always in the schoolyard. You all right. Bet. And she writes the placement of tally marks is not what matters. Victory is a small component of the value of a healthy competition where their opponents battles for goals on the athletic field, children taking a math quiz in the grade school classroom, co-workers vying for the boss's praise in the office, or siblings competing for attention at the dining table. A competitive spirit 
enhances the civility can help us make each other better. I learned the benevolence of respect on a math quiz. When respect replaces antagonism, we will win even when we lose. I mean, yeah. just some of this stuff is unbelievable. And then yeah. I, just a few more, and I promise that this will be a Very profound. Oh, yeah. And there was one that was so funny called the kickstand, mm -hmm. right? She's driving with her parents past this house, and she noticed her bike is laying in the grass. She tells her dad to stop the car. This is it. Well, the only problem is it's not her bike anymore. <laughs> they bought her a new bike. They gave the bike to a, someone who needed a bike. Uh -huh. But it was kind of like, well, she doesn't deserve it because she's not taking care of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, isn't that always the case? Yeah. <laughs> I in, in some people's DNA, right? I mean, they're always like, you have to do it this way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and uh, and what ends up happening, it just makes you miserable. Because just think about this. Think about people's yards. Okay? Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at some of the houses going like, "Oh, man, what is in, you know, and most in and, and for me, I don't care." Yeah, I mean, that's your problem. I'm, I'm sticking to mine, okay? Right. Of course, then again, that's because I grew up in East L.A. <laughs> and the last thing you want is to draw attention there, there to goes, yourself. There goes my bike. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> Bring it back when you're done. <laughs> so that that one cracked me up. That was so funny. You know, that, yeah. and I'm going like, okay, I've been there. <laughs> oh, but yeah. But it's just in some people's DNA. That's just one of those things in that book that just really cracked me up. And just a few more. She has a, a brother by the name of Don. And the thing that about his brother is that they, they loved, both love to cook. And matter of fact, throughout the book, there's recipes. And if my doctor told me I needed to, needed to lose 10 pounds, I'd be doing the recipes because some of them look like, like pretty delicious, like fudge and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going like, oh, I could use some of that. The thing about this book in, in particular is that the, it starts off about the brothers trying this experiment with bologna, scrambled eggs, and barbecue sauce. Oh, that doesn't sound bad. <laughs> I knew you'd like that. <laughs> after the podcast you're gonna go try some uh. I and she actually says it tastes pretty good yeah <laughs> honey barbecue I, i'd even be better well that's what he did was on on the grill oh yeah on a day so i'm going like yeah cotton would like this now now get this one here this one really hit home with me whether alone or together don and i are to this day comfortable in the kitchen. I'm not a professional chef, but when I step into the kitchen, I possess a certain ability to balance what I know and what I want to know. Learning to prepare food is fascinating skill and the rewards are delicious most of the time. Occasionally failure ranging somewhere between difficult to swallow and spit it out immediately does not damper my culinary spirits now this is this is the one that i i really really hit me failures are an opportunity to gain experience from mistakes and make improvements on the next attempt and so begin my long-standing infatuation with day-to-day -day cuisine to me that one the failures are an opportunity to gain experience 
People don't understand that. Now, that's basically kind of like sports because you can't win the World Series every year. Mm -hmm. But you look at your mistakes and you get better. Yeah. Okay. You're going to make mistakes. And I thought that was just very, very good. Mm -hmm. And then one last one. Okay. Benevolence is perspective and faith, a sense of community among strangers, seeing the potential in a person or a scrawny Siamese kitty. That was, that's another Uh, story in there about, you know, they bought a a scrawny uh, kitty and the grandfather's going, you spent money on that thing. (laughs) (laughs) allowing children to grow while watching over the face-to-face or through a picture window falling over life's obstacles and getting up again with the knowledge gained from failure sorrow and regret i can lose my benevolence in the shrubbery of memory lane and find it buried inside the details dealt by friends foe faith and a faith beyond the pages of religion I have no expectations of my average life changing the world and becoming a viral sensation. Besides, a singular grand act of kindness on television or on the computer screen touches us for a fleeting moment of actionless awareness. Meaningful, but not lasting. The best I can do is represent my baby boomer generation with grace in small ways every day setting a good example for subsequent generations in the honorable legacy. Just ask my mom. She's been doing this for years. And that's how it ends. So it's just a very, very good book. You know, I recommend it highly. I recommend it highly. Wow. And and, uh, and it's it's one of those one of those things where she just and and you know, I've officiated over funerals and you know i hate mm-hmm. to say it but one of the things and this is what this kind of sounds like is that in some cases i've asked the person of the deceased to you know if i see they're having problems write down everything you know about them and they start saying i can't mm-hmm. do that but once they start they can't stop exactly and that's what i use as some of the eulogy is what they write down and that's what this sounds like You're like you know i've lost my benevolence but you know what after looking back and seeing what great examples I had of from my parents, I mean, how wonderful is that? Yeah. Like I said, we've all we've all lived through that at times, you know, where we get down and just, you know, we're down in the dumps. But the fact mm-hmm. of the matter is, we're still here, and our job is is not about us, but about the name we carry. We need to be a good example, and that's what this book does. I highly recommend it, and I know you're not a big reader. Probably wait for the movie, <laughs> but, I, but I recommend it highly. All right. All righty, so that, that, that one right there, remember, Walking Old Roads. You can find it on, yeah, I, I got it on Amazon and on my uh, tablet. So it, it's a very, very good book, and I recommend it. All right. All right, now, you're writing that down, I see, huh? I'm telling you, you'll really enjoy it. You need to get it. Well, Cotton, I think we should probably bring this one to a close. What do you say, buddy? All righty. All righty, my man. Have a great one, okay? You too, boss. All right. I'll bye-bye. see you later. All right. Bye-bye. Nos vemos después. We'd like to thank you for listening and leave you with this one quote. Old road and old waves still have a lot to offer in the sped-up world we live in today. And until next time, May God bless.